0: And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we are two-thirds of the way through the preseason. How are you feeling about your Kansas
1: City Chiefs? Hey, uh, pretty good. I have to say, I'm pretty, I'm pretty encouraged by what we've seen in the preseason. Um, I'm also not used to the Chiefs winning their preseason games. I don't quite know what to make of this. You know, I don't have so, the record. Uh, I don't have the
0: record in front of me, but it does really feel like they're not yeah. as successful at this time of year. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. But it's good. They're two and zero. They're going for the clean sweep of three and zero on Friday night against the Minnesota Vikings. We'll continue to get you ready for that game at ArrowheadPride.com. It's a great point by John. You can't go twenty three and zero unless you
1: sweep the preseason. <laughs> So they have a a goal. Well, it hasn't done the Ravens any good. I think they've extended their preseason streak to 19 games or something. And, uh, you know, it hasn't made them the best team in the NFL. So maybe we don't want that.
0: The NFL preseason (laughs) darlings if you like the arrowhead pride editor show and the arrowhead pride podcast network we would ask you to leave a rating and a review love seeing the ratings and reviews love seeing you guys talk about each and every one of our shows not just the editor show i really like that you guys are liking it seems the multiple shows that we now have on the arrowhead pride podcast network but let's get into our arrowhead pride editor show for tuesday august 24th we're going to go through some news the chiefs have cut down to 80. The NFL top 100 is rolling here. We have some injury updates to talk about ahead of the game. We'll go through our marinated takeaways from Chiefs and Cardinals, and we'll finish up with what's left to figure out with this Chiefs team as we get ready for the 2021 NFL regular season. John, let's get into the cut down to 80. You jumped on this for us yesterday as I was traveling to Arrowhead Stadium. It came a little earlier then we thought it would once again. Mm-hmm, the Chiefs yeah. seem to be getting this out of the way in the morning so that these players that are going to be cut don't have to go through 98 degrees that it is in Kansas City and yeah. practice. So
1: the big name to note was Taco Charlton. And that's part of the reason that they did it quickly, I think, is that they intended to cut Charlton and they want to give him a chance to, to stick someplace else. Yeah. And so it's always a courtesy to a, a veteran player like that to give them the opportunity. Uh, to stick somewhere else, and you get a better opportunity if you're out there earlier. So that's one of the things I like about Andy Reid is he cares about stuff like that. So uh, good on the Chiefs there. Yeah, the five names
0: to know that were cut in this cut to 80. Remember, this is new this year. The NFL has never really done the three-cut format, and so now we're down to 80 players. But Taco Charlton said goodbye. Defensive back, Will Parks. Offensive guard, Brian Witzman. And then the... Two players that were waived as part of this were linebacker Riley Cole and quarterback Anthony Gordon. Gordon is the only other name of note because that means that the Chiefs are rolling in all likelihood with Shane Bouchelle, which would be on the practice squad um, as their, the third, we, we think, as the yeah. third quarterback. Typically, Andy Reid will go with two in recent years, so we know that that is going to be Patrick Mahomes' and Chad Henney, and then Shane Bouchelle would be your practice squad third guy if one of those guys got hurt and someone had to start and someone had to come up, so on and so forth. But Anthony Gordon is now no longer a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. Back to Taco for a second. One thing that we should note is that Andy Reid really emphasized the idea that it was the young players that led to uh, Taco Charlton being cut. And I want to quickly say the names of the players who the chiefs will likely keep at the defensive line position in the two years of Steve Spagnuolo. So it's been to 2019 and 2020, the chiefs typically kept 10, 10 defensive linemen. So right now I'll go through the names quickly. That projects in my mind to be Chris Jones, Jaron Reed, Derek naughty, Frank Clark, Turk Wharton, Colin Saunders, who has re-earned his spot. Mike Mm. Dana, Alex Okafor, Josh Kando, the rookie that the chiefs drafted, And that leaves one spot because those all those first nine feel like locks for the team. And to me, with the cut of Charlton, I think the Chiefs saw enough in Tim Ward to say he has earned Mm -hmm. a spot on this team. and, And those will be your 10 defensive linemen. And I think it was less about Taco Charlton and what he can do, but he just was outplayed. And especially with Tim Ward, who had two sacks in that first preseason game.
1: Yeah, I, and I, I think that's one of the things that's going to make this one of the more difficult rosters to predict. Yeah. Um, because uh, they're they're kind of going through a philosophy change. We're going to move towards putting younger players in there, and it's something that they need to do. Um, with a, a player like Patrick Mahomes occupying such a large right. percentage of the salary cap, that's something that they're going to need to be able to do at some point. So they're starting to move that direction. Right. So the Chiefs are now down to
0: 80 players. They will need to get down to 53 the Tuesday following this Friday night's preseason game against the Minnesota Vikings. At this point, who knows when that information comes through? I mean, as soon as the Chiefs have it, it seems like they'll give it to us. Typically, we've waited late in the day when it comes to the 53-man cutdown. But who knows? Maybe this could be uh, an earlier cutdown for the Kansas City Chiefs. That remains to be seen. We'll, of course, keep you updated at ArrowheadPride.com. In addition to it being cut season, John, it is our favorite thing at Arrowhead Pride, the NFL Top 100 season. <laughs> and we had two more names added to the list this past Sunday. Chris Jones at number 34 and Tyree Kill at number 15. Despite both of these players being in the top 40, and yes, taking into account all the Kansas City bias we have in the world and noting that ahead of this. Those seem too low, in my opinion. I think that Chris Jones should be higher than 34. I think Tyree Kill should be higher than 15. And by the way, Chris Jones agrees with it, went right to Twitter and said, this is cute. Imagine being a top 34 player in the world and not being happy with it. Chris Jones isn't happy (laughs) either. And I I think he has a point here, John.
1: Yeah, I, I I. I was the one who drew writing about this and uh, I've kind of focused what I wrote about, about that. It was making up for last year's even worse ranking at 52. I think it was uh, last year. And I didn't really focus much on how low it should be for Jones. Instead, I was thinking about, you know, what's it going to be a year from now if this plan that the chiefs have to move him around on the defensive line, making him very difficult uh, to predict, it will be difficult for offenses to counter him. Uh, Because he's going to move around so much, Um, you know, a year from now, that can be even higher than it is now. And that's that's the way I chose to look at that particular one. I agree with you, though, that Tyreek Hill uh, and I've thought this for a while that Tyreek Hill has a legitimate claim to be one of the NFL's top receivers. And he's still not getting credit for that. Yeah, I I still think even
0: there's a now there's a a caveat of he's still just a speed guy. And this is a ranking that is voted upon by the players. But you really dig into the numbers. The amount of touchdowns this guy has is just Mm -hmm. incredible. He had 15 receiving touchdowns. Like At a certain point, people got to dig into the numbers. And I guess that's players included and realize, now, this is a receiver. And, man, I watched Tyreek Hill. I got to watch him at training camp, even what was yesterday at practice. The hops that he has and the tracking ability and high-pointing the ball Clearly the best receiver on the Chiefs and one of the best receivers in the NFL. And with that being the case, you would think that he would be in the top 10. These two players at 34 and 15, to your point, John, have an opportunity, I think, in 2022, it would be to be in the top 10 of this list list, if they continue to be consistent. And we'll see where Chris Jones lands as far as sacks. I have a point on that later. Uh, teaser for our marinated takeaways. <laughs> yeah, I've already touched on it online too. So, <laughs> A silver lining of this though is the fact that we did not hear the names from what was 40 to 11 of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, meaning they have broken through to the top 10. Mahomes last year was number four, which was ridiculous, uh, which is why we swore off the NFL top 100 at Arrowhead Pride for 364 days. And then <laughs> Travis Kelsey Uh, finally getting the respect he deserves after years and years of not being considered the top tight end in the league will be top 10. I would guess that he's going to be in the six to 10 range, the top five or so tend to go to the quarterback position and Aaron Donald
1: (laughs) usually. So,
0: And I also, I do also think that this is the year that Patrick Mahomes is finally number one. So he won't have to count on his fingers against whoever uh, the opponent would be uh, in that case. Don't you agree there, John?
1: I would think so. I mean, uh, I appreciate that uh, everybody's wanted to give Aaron Donald credit. It's been a it's been a good couple of years yeah. uh, for people to pat this guy on the back, and he certainly deserves it. He's an an incredible player mm-hmm. and is a di- disruptive force on the defensive line. But I I think it's kind of like uh, you know the Oscars giving art house movies uh, awards. You know, it's like oh we're gonna we're gonna give kudos to this defensive lineman for a while. Um, among the not only the media but the players. But at some point you've got to recognize Mahomes is the face of the league. Well, that's the problem that everybody has with the Pro Bowl.
0: It's that the Pro Bowl vote becomes contagious a little bit. Like that guy made it last year and all of a sudden fans just start voting that way because they know the name. Uh, And that's why when I do articles, I always look at the all-pro first. If they got an all-pro, I'll write that ahead of the Pro Bowl, just because the Pro Bowl, it's just such a popularity con- contest. Look no further in Kansas City with Eric Fisher. I believe he was elected to the Pro Bowl twice. Meanwhile, poor Mitch Schwartz, a three time all pro, never got to go to Hawaii or Orlando yeah. or whatever it was. He would have liked to go to Disney World, right? I mean, give the guy a break. Now he, it seems like he's at least semi retired. But let's not get down that rabbit hole. I want to outline the next couple of days for you and the weeks, really. So, what happens in Kansas City? the next two days is there is practice at the Arrowhead facility and they are getting ready for what will be the Friday night, the only preseason home game of this off season against the Minnesota Vikings. John, that's going to be my first trip to GEHA field at Arrowhead Stadium. I've been Arrowhead Stadium quite a bit. This is the first time I'm visiting the new field, um, which will be an interesting experience in itself. We've seen some of the signage come through, and 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 it's right.
1: odd. It is a little odd. It's, it is, it it's is. Away. But it's it's you know it's what they're paying for. And right. if and if we get to still call the stadium Arrowhead, I can live with that. <laughs> yeah, you no. know, I mean, yes. it's not like the it's not like the name has just completely disappeared. And I and I appreciate that the Chiefs wanted to do it that way. Yeah, so and, uh, I'm willing to put up with some signage.
0: You think about Mile High with the Denver Broncos, yeah. the rival in the AFC West no matter what the name of the field is, it's gone from something feel empower field. Everyone in Denver calls it mile high. I'm sure if you visited Denver to go to the Chiefs Broncos game, where they're annoyingly seeing incomplete every three seconds that you called it mile high when you were headed up to the stadium. So nobody, (laughs) everyone's going to call it Arrowhead stadium. The Chiefs get a little bit of a dough out of it with the G E H E field. That is what it is. Anyway, back to the schedule. So I just wanted to note this because I find this interesting about this year a little bit different, right? So we have Tuesday and Wednesday practice. There's the day off uh, on Thursday. Cause the, there's typically a day off before the game. That's for the opposing team to travel. Typically the team has a mock game walkthrough Friday night. We have the game. The following Tuesday is when the cuts are due. And then what is interesting is it's just a, a, a week off. I don't know how much media will, will actually have next week, but It's not like that week leads into the first game. It's just a little bit more of a gap than we would typically have. I believe we'll we'll get at least one media availability. And then the week after that, that's when we have on Thursday night, I believe it's the Dallas Cowboys visiting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the world champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, followed by eventually on Sunday, Chiefs and Cleveland Browns. So uh, just the one thing to note is We're going to be so ready for football after the Vikings, but there's two weekends before it happens, uh, essentially. And uh, that is because also, too, there's one less preseason game, which in a a way, sometimes we would get to that fourth preseason. John, you've covered this with me before, where you're like, this is not even football. No starters are playing. Why are we doing this? This seems like a waste of time. Uh, And so there's a silver lining to it, but we're just going to have to wait a little bit longer than usual without football until we get the real thing.
1: I think it'll be interesting to see how the league reacts to this plan, to having what is essentially a bye week uh, before the season begins, because this is something that they have never done before, in, in my recollection. Uh, that the, the teams make their final fifty-three decisions, and then there's a flurry of activity as they pick up players from other teams and release other players, and you know it takes a couple of days for the rosters to get settled. And maybe that's why they're doing it, so that the teams can be fully settled for a week or so right. uh, before the season begins. And that might be seen as by the teams as a very positive thing, and getting those players uh, some extra rest before the season begins. But on the other hand, It's going to make the fans crazy, you know, (laughs) that there's going to be this, you know. (laughs) From from
0: a media standpoint, we will get Brett Veach at the deadline. I know that he'll he'll speak. so That'll hold us over a little bit, but I don't think we'll get much player access or coach access until the game week starts, which will be September the 6th. Doing some calendar work right now here. So September the 6th is when the typical week would start. So uh, football's coming, but grit your teeth a little bit longer because we had a buffer week in between uh, Minnesota Vikings and, and the Cleveland Browns. And you know that goes into how much we'll see the starters, which we'll talk about a little bit later. All right. So that's the first part of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. When we come back, we'll talk about the marinated takeaways from Chiefs and Arizona Cardinals. Stay with us right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.
2: Back- Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
0: Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon coming off a game in which the Chiefs improved to 2-0 in the NFL preseason, a 17-10 win over the Arizona Cardinals. We're going to talk about some marinated takeaways from this game. And, John, I will let you do the
1: very first honor. Is it possible that Darwin Thompson's motor runs too fast? (laughs) You know, I've loved this guy since uh, the first time he spoke at training camp. I have thought he was uh, an amazing guy. I loved his attitude. I loved his work ethic. Uh, I loved all of those things about him, and I still do. But, man, when he played on Friday night, You know, he's fighting for a roster spot and he's like trying to jump over NFL players to get a couple more yards. You love to see that want to in a player. But first of all, he's going to get hurt doing that in NFL Mm. games. And sometimes it 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 blows up in your face just in that moment. You know, you don't get the extra two yards. And then, of course, there was the one play where he seemed to be carried by a couple of opposing players for a couple of yards. I don't know. I just wonder if the candle burns just a little too brightly in this guy and it's going to make it hard for him to make the team. I, 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 I hate to say that because I love it in the guy. I love yeah. this about him but it might be just too much for an NFL team to take. I don't know. I, When it comes to Thompson, I just am starting to
0: feel that the size is just too small for the NFL. I, that's kind of where I'm at with him. And I, I think I sense that too, where he's trying to go above and beyond and do mm-hmm. anything to put his wherewithal, I guess is the best word to say, on tape and to show that man, I'll do anything to make this roster. And he's got some formidable competition in Jarek McKinnon. The good thing is, and this is a silver lining type of thing, I don't expect Clyde to play in what would be the next game just because he's been dealing with that ankle injury. And so I think Jarek McKinnon and Darwin should get a lot of tape here. And so if the Chiefs do opt to keep three running backs, which I think right now would be Clyde, Daryl, who's in the concussion protocol, by the way, and Jarek, that Thompson should have enough film to land somewhere. I really feel that way. And on some kind of practice squad, might be the Chiefs practice squad, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just can't see him making this roster right now at this juncture. Uh, but you're right. I, I think maybe there's, there's too much there. So um, we'll have to see what happens when it comes to uh, Darwin Thompson. All right, my first marinated takeaway from this game. It seems like now we're never time for McColl Hardman, and mm. we have found in, in the days following that maybe some of the miscommunication was once again on Hardman. The way that the press conferences are kind of going. You listen to Andy Reid's press conference right here in the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network on from the podium which we have up from yesterday. Andy Reid essentially alludes to, well, Tyreek Hill was an emergency sit. And so, McCole Hardman was asked to play a little bit more of that Z position, that go-to position for Patrick Mahomes. And maybe he wasn't in the right spot. Now, blind eye, from what we saw, we were kind of essentially blaming Patrick Mahomes But the team is going in a different direction, which you expect. So there's a little bit of a gray area here for sure. And I I don't want to lose that. Mm -hmm. But in my experience and watching both of these two gentlemen, (laughs) the miscommunication might be on McCole Hardman, right? And he's had a really good camp. And I think this is such an important year for him, both for the Chiefs because they need him. Sammy Watkins is no longer here. And for his career, he's in his third season. If he proves to be irreplaceable, he could end up with a new contract, Uh, but this seems like bread and butter stuff where you just have to know the positions. And it does give me a little pause that there still seems to be some aspect of a learning curve when it comes to this playbook in year three.
1: Well, the chiefs have certainly given us uh, in their comments and coach Reed's comments specifically uh, a reason to explain what happened on Friday night And it's reasonable. And I think this just brings up uh, one of the things that you hear from people. It's like, well, you know, he didn't pass the eye test. You know, I saw him. He didn't run the route the right way and all this. But that always assumes things that you don't actually know. Yeah. You don't know what the player was supposed to do. You don't know what the offensive lineman's assignment was. You don't know, uh, you know, exactly how the defense was supposed to go, which way they were supposed to lean. You know, you don't know any of that stuff. All yeah. you know is what you see on the field. And, uh, you know, for fans, they're probably already made up their minds about McColl Hardman based on this game, is that he's not going to be the guy. But he's also shown flashes throughout his time in Kansas City that he could be the guy. And, uh, you know, yes, it may be a problem if Tyreek Hill is down and McCole Hardman has to step up into what is Hill's role normally, outside of his own normal role, that he won't be able to run the routes the same. But I think we kind of have to see it in a game where Hill is also playing to see how Hardman does in that situation based on what the coach said. So uh, again, there's all these things that we don't know that enter into it, and it it becomes that much harder to make up your own mind about uh, what you see. Yeah, and it goes without saying that Hardman's ideal role
0: is as the third or fourth option, I Mm -hmm. I think. I don't, Yeah. you know, I I have said that I I think he could be a a clear-cut number two on a team that doesn't include Tyree kill or Travis Kelsey, one of those tight ends that are sure. above average, but not Travis Kelsey who needs the ball in his hands. Right. Uh, but to me, number two wide receiver for a team where he's actually the number two target is about the ceiling in my mind for the type of player Hardman is. I just think size and strength and what I've seen him be able to do. Like, I don't think the Tyree kill result, the Tyree kill ending where he's clear cut a number one receiver in the NFL and starting to get comparisons to Devonte Adams and a DeAndre Hopkins, like that is nowhere in the realm for McCole Hardman. But he could play a role for this team. And my thing is, I think it's a now or never situation. It's it's yeah. either going to happen this year or it's never going to happen for him.
1: So right, right. This is the this is the perfect opportunity here for here for him to step up and and be the player. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, you're up. Um. Okay. So we'll stick on the running back topic for a second here. Uh, based on my first one, how is it that Derek Gore hasn't (laughs) stuck anywhere? I mean, he looked very impressive. I mean, albeit against the backups for another team. Okay, we always have to put that caveat in there, and we should. But I would also say that when you've got (laughs) second-level players playing against second-level players, your third-level players playing against third-level players, that should translate. You know, that just because Derek Gore runs well against the third string, well, it, it's it's he's in the same spot. Right. You know, so that should tell you something. But, you know, this guy's been on mostly the Chargers practice squad the last two years. He spent some time on the, the Washington football team practice squad. How is it he hasn't stuck someplace? He looks to me like he's got a lot of talent. First of all, a couple things about this guy.
0: I'm glad you brought him up. First, I want to apologize to poor Derek because on the post game show I called him Elijah McGuire and he deserves his actual name. I had the wrong yeah. running back and a couple people noted that on YouTube. Thank you to our wonderful fans at at Pride.
1: Did did second, did his dad write to you or anything? Uh, no, not not in this okay. case. All right, okay.
0: Second thing on uh, <laughs> second thing on Derek Core. Andy Reid, who in my mind, is going to be one of the godfathers of the game of professional football when it's all said and done. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about these Mount Rushmore's coaches. Andy Reid might be on it by the yeah. end of it. I mean, if he gets a couple more Super Bowls, especially. He compared Gore to Gale Sayers after the game. What? Like, what are we talking about? If he's like <laughs> Gale Sayers and why is Clyde Edwards a layer starter? Let's promote him and have him be the starter. Um, third, I have never seen someone run faster out of bounds uh, than this young man <laughs> did during the preseason game. I want to go back to my comparison because if you didn't listen to the post game show, you need to hear it. It reminded me of Forrest Gump in that scene where he's playing for Alabama and he runs out of the stadium and he's like not knowing that he runs the wrong way. I know it was good situational football. I know that he was doing the right thing and not scoring a touchdown and trying to end the game. I get it all. But it just reminded me of Forrest Gump and I had to say that. But yeah, I agree. And he's an intriguing player. I think this is definitely someone that will make the Chiefs practice squad. But it's one of those things, I think, John, where it comes to like reporters versus guys who know the game well, blind eye for us or our eyes are like, should this guy be a third running back on some team somewhere? Um and it does seem that way, but who knows? Maybe there's little nuanced things. Maybe it's a pass protection thing. Maybe there's details that we don't know that uh, right. he still needs to work on. Twenty six is a little old for a running back too to really break out, right. which is yeah. It, it it seems so young, and it is so young, but not in the NFL standard. I mean, these guys really need to come in their own around twenty three, twenty four max uh, if you're going to start in the league. We'll see. There's another Gore who uh, in the league who would tell you otherwise when it comes to age, because I think he's approaching 40 and is going to be probably with the team. I don't think he's with the team right now, but he was with the team last year. I'm sure someone will get injured and he'll find a team. Yeah, he'll find a spot at some point. But yeah, uh, I like the point on Derek Gore by you. We'll see if he makes a practice squad. I don't have him on my roster right now. I can't really find a spot for him. The offense seems to be too good trying to figure out who those 25 are going to be. But I think a practice squad spot for him is is certainly a, a possibility considering the head coach thinks. He's Gail Sayers. Okay, um, back to Chris Jones on uh, my next marinated takeaway. This hybrid experiment thing, it seems like it's working. Um, we got a, a sack from the edge position after we saw a sack from the tackle position in the earlier game. I don't know what opposing offensive lines are going to do. You could literally, if Chris Jones can seamlessly go from position to position to position, you could pick their weakest offensive lineman and say, Chris, go play. Uh, then if that's not working and they're doubling him in there, You have Jaron Reed, you have Derek Nadi. you have Colin Saunders, who's re himself. Who knows what you get from Frank Clark. I think his team as a whole, because of Chris Jones moving, is going to have a ton of sacks. I think they might lead the league in sacks. And I also think Chris Jones, from an individual standpoint, has a chance to lead uh, the league in sacks. Because it's not an Aaron Donald thing. This is different from Aaron Donald. And Aaron Donald will always be, as far as he's in his prime, the best defensive tackle in the league. No offense to Chris Jones, he's just that. But Chris Jones might be the best defensive lineman in the league with this newfound ability Mm. to be a hybrid type of player and he's got an extra game and I think he's going to get two sacks a game I I don't I don't see how he doesn't have a sack a game and that puts you at 17 um so let's see what happens I know it's the preseason and I'm getting overexcited probably about this but it, it just seems extremely different for the position in the sense that maybe he's not the best edge in the league maybe he's not the best defensive tackle in the league But to be so good at both and be able to really mix and match all game long and be in advantageous positions for the entire game,
1: I'm eager to see what happens here. I think you can approach 20 sacks. I I agree. I I think this uh, has the potential to be a, a, I think I called it uh, uh, uber-dominant or something like that uh, when I mentioned it in uh, an article yesterday. Use the word Uber, I remember that. Um, yeah, I think this is something that we don't really know how it's going to play out, but so far, it looks like it's working the way they expect it to. Right. Again, we have to put in that preseason caveat, you know? And it's it's inventive.
0: It's inventive. It's different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What did you say? Uber... Uh, uber dominant i think uber dominant better than lyft dominant i'm an uber guy i don't like lyft it always feels like (laughs) uber (laughs) is a little bit better i'm glad you you said that but no i i completely agree i i think that i'm i'm just eager to see where he ends up when it comes to sacks this year and and you know you knock on wood here too because he's had a little bit of an injury issue here and there as his career has gone on one thing is if you're going to try to lead the league in sacks if you're going to I'm I'm going bold here. Try to push for the sack record with your extra game. You got to stay healthy. So we wish Chris Jones, of course, good health. But man, I'm excited to see what uh, happens with this hybrid defensive lineman experiment type thing.
1: Well, that leads me to mine, uh, which a nice little segue here. It seems that the panic over defensive end was misplaced. You know, after the draft, a lot of Chiefs fans were saying, oh, they didn't get a defensive end until they got Kendo, and we don't know what this guy's going to be able to do. And, you know, we're shorthanded at the position and Frank Clark isn't living up with his contract and blah, 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 blah. He's got these young guys. Blah, blah. Well, and now they're cutting Taco Charlton. So apparently they feel pretty good about the players they have in there for defensive end. They feel like they can get rid of Charlton, who at moments last year looked like one of the better defensive ends that they had when he was healthy. Yeah. So, I think that tells us that the Chiefs feel pretty comfortable with where they're at. Now, they may be wrong. There's always that possibility. But the team certainly feels, based on the release of Charlton, and as you noted before, uh, the young players that they have, including guys like Tim Ward and Mm -hmm. Mike Dana that uh, others maybe don't have on their radar yet in other NFL markets, uh, they seem to be pretty confident with where they're at. So. Let's see what that looks like going into the season.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I always say to watch the actions of the team and the fact that they released Charlton will tell you everything you need to know about how they feel about the defensive end position. Mike Dano is outstanding at training camp in the interior. Turk Wharton has looked really good. Colin Saunders has been a pleasant surprise. I never expect Saunders to look like this at this juncture of training camp and the preseason. So the defensive line looks good. And that actually leads me into my next point. If the defensive line is going to be this good, then the defense is going to be fine, considering you have Tyron Matthew and a a pretty good secondary. Anthony Hitchens looks a little bit lighter. Willie Gay looks good. Nick Bolton in limited opportunities. He looks good. Ben Neiman is fine as a fourth linebacker. I I keep reiterating that. Ben Neiman gets a bad rap because he's not supposed to start. I always felt the same way about Daniel Sorensen to an extent, who is starting, which is another point in, in, in entirety. But what I'm saying is I think the defensive line... Looks really, really good. And that makes every level of your defense better. That's something we know. That's football 101. Makes it easier. Makes it easier on the linebacking core. And I understand Kyler Murray didn't have DeAndre Hopkins in this game. But for Kyler Murray to go three and out three times in a row, and then Colt McCoy comes in the game, and he goes three and out, and it's four times in a row. And then this offense, again, preseason Again, no DeAndre Hopkins, but this offense doesn't have a first down until 430 in the second quarter, right? With the Chiefs still playing their ones, and there were some twos in the games at that point. The Chiefs won 12 games in the Super Bowl in 2019 with an average to above average defense. They won 14 games and got to the Super Bowl, didn't win it, but got to the Super Bowl in 2020 with, I would say again, a slightly above average defense. If we can assume that Patrick Mahomes and the offense are going to remain in the elite territory, right? Mm 28-ish points a game. But now your defense is approaching that. We joked about 23-0, and but my God, when are you going to lose? The only loss that you truly had last year before the Super Bowl was a Raiders fluke. And it took the Raiders, I believe it was scoring 40 points in that game. They're not going to score 40 points against this defense with this defensive line playing this well. Again, we go back to health. You got to remain healthy. The fact that the defense and, and its skill level, we got to see it translate to week one. I know that. The fact that this defense and the skill level can maybe approach how good the offense is, I don't know where the loss is going to come. And Vegas agrees with me because the only game that the Chiefs aren't favored in is Sunday night football against the Baltimore Ravens. We had lines put out yesterday. That game is not even the Ravens favorite At home against the Ravens, you were an up-and-coming football team it's a pick 'em. There's no spread in the game. So the, the Chiefs are never an underdog this year right now. That tells you all you need to know, in my opinion. And I think it stems not from the offense because we know about the offense.
1: It stems from what we have seen in the preseason from the defense. Well, we definitely have the rose-colored glasses on today, don't we? But that's okay. This is the time for it.
0: I, I mean, I just... We can all. The thing is, it is the preseason, but we can only judge from what we see. I mean, there's sure. no yeah. Yeah. alternate universe that's going to give us a, a clearer picture. <laughs> and yeah, this is exactly what you want to see for a Chiefs fan. Now, you don't want to see the offense struggling, first team offense struggling like we've seen so far. But Andy Reid leaves a lot for the regular season. He doesn't show a ton in the preseason. Right. Right. I am never going to be worried about what the offense do. Patrick Mahomes could have seven interceptions right now. I would not be worried. <laughs> What you you've needed to see is the defense play this well because that's always the question in in, in mm-hmm. recent years with the Kansas City Chiefs and the fact that they have played so well that to me has been the overarching storyline of the preseason for this team.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I'm kidding you about the rose rose colored glasses. No, I think you're right. making really good points here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I don't know where the losses come from either, but we wouldn't have predicted the Raiders loss last year. Right. And we would have said that even in week 17 against the Chargers, the Chiefs would prevail, and they didn't. So, you know, we didn't really have that shot at a perfect season last year because of things that we couldn't see. And so, you know, yes, I don't know where the losses are coming either, but the odds are there will be one or two at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, But, boy, it sure looks good right now. I agree. I'm out of takeaways, John. What else do you have? Um, I've been wondering um, – how things might've played out differently on the offensive line had long and Duvernay Tardif not been injured. Yeah. And I think that's uh, you know, right now we're looking at this as, Oh, they've got these great rookie players and they're going to have this great offensive line for the next four or five years with these players on rookie contracts and Mm -hmm. a new contract for Orlando Brown. But what if coming into training camp long doesn't get hurt? Right. And DuVernay Tardif doesn't get hurt. And Remmers doesn't get hurt. Would the Chiefs have stuck with the veteran players and worked these other players in over the course of the season? Or was this the plan all along? Well, we know yeah. the answer on LDT
0: because LDT was healthy and they still had Trey Smith in there. But yeah. Long is a great point because I believe Long was slated to be the right guard of this team. And, and I don't know if Trey Smith would have even had the opportunity had Long been healthy. And the way it worked out is Trey Smith got his opportunity because Long was unhealthy and doesn't seem like as long as now Smith is healthy, he's going to lose that position, which I think is right. Uh, I, as much as I like Kyle Long and what he was able to do with the Chicago Bears, he took a year off. Uh, you know, Trey Smith is coming out of, out of college. He looks fantastic. He looks immovable. Um, it, it does seem like the offensive line as a whole has some room to grow still. What it becomes interesting to me is the shakier position at right. Tackle right. Tackle has felt more open and long has played tackle in the past. Mm-hmm. So yeah. would Niang, uh, be in that position? And, and by the way, I, I do want to say this, I just don't think the right tackle position as of right now is open. We would have seen a little bit more rotating in game situations with Remmers yeah. yeah. at right mm-hmm. tackle to me, Remmers and Wiley are your tackle positions niang has that lockdown for now again john as you were saying part of the reason is long is unhealthy and there really isn't another option and i feel like the rookies give them the best line and that is going to be a misconception nationally and that's something i said on the national uh podcast that we do monday football monday sb nation nfl show yesterday you're going to see teams and they're going to be like well the chiefs have three rookies or you'll see analysis and, and uh-oh they're they don't have a ton of experience but these guys are good I mean, they they are not playing like rookies. And that's, a, again, another credit to Brett Feach and what he's been able to do to load this offensive line up. Uh, and I'm very, very eager to see them in the regular season. My last thing that I had a note here, and it's not really a, a takeaway or anything definitive, but I, I just think Juan Thornhill remains a curious case of this team. He has the interception. Yeah. And we're just still wondering what his true role will be for the team this year. I think in two safety looks right now, it still is going to be Tyron Matthew and Daniel Sorensen. So where is the room for Thornhill? And I thought his postgame presser was a little peculiar in the sense that he openly admitted it's a little bit of a confidence thing. So it seems like the Chiefs are just running him out there for reps and reps and reps and reps and reps. And And it's a matter of of maybe mental over physical. And when it gets to that realm, it's really hard to even have a takeaway until the player says, yeah, I I feel all right. And that's what Thornhill was saying after the game. We'll just see how the Chiefs use him now.
1: Well, I wonder if he would have said that if he hadn't had that incredible interception in the game. And it was an incredible interception. I mean, that's the kind of uh, play you love to see uh, a player on your team make stretch out like that and get the ball with his fingertips and bring it in. Uh, although I'm glad they didn't run a replay on that particular catch, because I, when I saw it, the replay, I thought, "Ooh, I don't know, <laughs> they might challenge that." But, but uh, uh, I guess it was a turnover, so they would have challenged. They would have looked at the tape anyway. But um yeah, I, 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 that is a very odd situation, and and the way they've talked about it all along, even last season, Tyron Matthew talked about it quite a bit that it did seem to be for Thornhill more of a mental issue. Uh, getting to the point that he could trust his knee again. And, you know, then coming into the last season, they're either taking him in, they're putting, they're putting him back out there, they're taking him off the roster, they're putting him on the roster for the game. And uh, I think that would mess with your confidence a certain amount. And so what did they do on Friday night? He had as many snaps as anybody on the team Friday night. And I, I think you're right. I think they were putting him out there to get his confidence back. And uh, and there was a moment where he played with all the confidence in the world and made a great play. And uh, in in that euphoria, I'm sure he says, "I'm back." But will that translate into a game by game performance from Thornhill? I don't know. I agree. This is a very interesting situation. We and we won't know
0: until your snap count article on Monday the twelfth. In my opinion, right? Right. Or, you right. know. As much as we have the chatter and Juan can go to the podium and say he feels confident 100%, right. and the team can be like, yeah, he's back, until we see him have more snaps than what would be Daniel Sorensen, it doesn't matter in, in a sense. Yeah. I, you know. And, and that's where I think we'll learn where where Thornhill is at. Any other takeaways from you, John? Because I have some things I'm going to be looking for against the Vikings.
1: Well, I, I just wanted to say that this is probably the most difficult to predict final roster I've ever seen for the Chiefs. Certainly, I mean, always,
0: in, in, certainly it, in this regime, I yeah, I, I would agree yeah. with you. Yeah, I I, I mean, don't it, know how you know i have talking with some of the fellow reporters on the field at practice yesterday, and fitting the talent on the roster offensively, especially within the the parameter of twenty five players, because twenty five plus twenty five plus the specialist is fifty three. It's tough, uh, and the yeah. Chiefs are going to have some tough decisions to make and. We have said for years, oh, we'll see where guys land with other teams. And then no one ever lands with other teams. (laughs) But I think this (laughs) is the year that that actually happens. Uh, And that leads me to what else is left to figure out against the Minnesota Vikings. My first point here is that I think we're at the point and we already talked about Darwin Thompson. He's one of them. Well, Darwin Thompson and Ken Cornell Powell survive. I think we are in a situation with Cornell Powell. And I go back to Lewis Riddick saying that Powell is in a dogfight on the ESPN broadcast. Riddick, a close friend of Brett Veach's from their Philadelphia Eagles days. Is Powell about to lose his position on the 53-man roster for Darius Fountain, who has proven to be a really strong receiver for this Chiefs team? Marcus Kemp has had a really nice training camp. Cornell Powell really hasn't gotten a lot of time with the top team.
1: Mm-hmm. Is
0: this the first player in the Brett Veach era that is cut after being drafted by the team. And has he showed enough to even get poached by another team? I think he might have a draft
1: pick in Pal that is cut and then finds his way to the practice squad. That's distinctly possible. And I, and I think we mentioned this uh, before that, uh, that I think Reed, well, it's happened during the Reed years, that I think they've drafted a fullback in twenty thirteen and then got Anthony Sherman and let the fullback go. if I remember that correctly.
0: And Kavari Russell, but that was the Dorsey Day. So right, Reed right. I'm I'm talking about right. Red Beach and yes. taking yeah, I over. understand. He's at least given them a year or two. Right. The one that sticks out as Freeland speaks, but that wasn't until year three of coming in and yeah. Just didn't work out. But
1: well but I think you have to do consider Reed's influence as well. I understand your point that it's about Beach. But I think you have to consider Reed's influence as well, because I personally believe that although it isn't on paper, I think that Reed is the co-general manager of the team. I think when it comes down to deciding which players are going to be on the roster and which ones aren't, Reed has as much say in it as Veach does. Uh, maybe even oh, a little more. Oh, I think I, I agree yeah. with you. Reed has the final yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think as the years have
0: gone on, Veach has gotten more and more say. I think for a major yeah, decision, it fair. comes down to
1: Andy Reed and likely Clark Cotten in major decisions, especially contracts yeah. and whatnot. Well, I but, think it could happen. I think you're right. I think that's a possibility that we could see po- uh, Powell not make the roster, not be picked up anywhere, and end up on the practice squad. And you know what? That could be the best thing for him. Right. You know, a year in the league on a practice squad for the Chiefs and come back next year with another chance to make the team might be the best thing that ever happened to him.
0: Right. So I'll be watching number 14 on Friday night. That, yeah. That's just because I think – it's it's he's got to prove it and show enough on tape that the chiefs might get a little shook about him getting stolen or mm-hmm. he's going to be on the practice squad for them or a practice squad of another team. All right. Uh, next thing I'm watching for. Well, Patrick Mahomes simply play until he scores. The chiefs QB one has not scored a touchdown this preseason and two victories for the chiefs. He played a lot of snaps last game. He had that one play at the end where he said he was throwing it away If Patrick Mahomes was throwing that ball away, no offense to PM2, but that was not a good... I mean, you're out of the pocket. You could just toss it into the stands. Um, Yeah. All right. If you want to say you were throwing it away, I think you knew it was your last throw and you were trying to do the Patrick Mahomes magic thing and it ended up in the hands of a defender and that's what happened, but that's okay. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe you're throwing it away, but will he play until he scores? I don't think you're going to see three quarters of Patrick Mahomes. I know that Andy Reid has said that... He's going to treat it as typical preseason, but we've seen him not do that when it comes to Patrick Mahomes in particular. Again, I think the offensive line will be out there maybe until the third quarter so they can get extended time. This is an offensive line who has never played with each other before. All five players we're talking about. Right. So I think think they might get additional time. I think Patrick Mahomes gets a series, maybe two-ish. We'll see. Or if he scores a touchdown, that's it. It's, it's let's get ready for the Cleveland Browns. So that's my prediction when it comes to Patrick Mahomes. You do want to see your top quarterback, even when it is the former NFL and Super Bowl MVP. I think you do want to see him score a touchdown, ideally. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to happen. I'm not going to lose sleep over it if it doesn't. But I think that's what Andy Reid would probably like to see from Mahomes on Friday night.
1: I think that's a good point. Um, I mean, he, we may see him for the full half. Right, but uh, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if the Chiefs come up with a touchdown at any point uh, while Mahomes is on the field. That that's that's the exit point. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. And I and you know Reed even said the other day that while it was important for uh, the offensive line to continue their development, they needed to hear Mahomes' voice and work with Mahomes. Yeah, he also pointed out that they needed time with Chad Henney, too, because yep. they're not going to get much time with him in, on the practice field once the season begins. And should Mahomes get hurt, they're gonna to have to be able to play for him. So uh I think you know, Reed's running a balancing act here, trying to get some time for both of his quarterbacks, his main quarterbacks. Um, and uh so if Mahomes gets a score where he can, you know, go into the regular season on a high note, uh, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if he sits down at that point. We're getting to the end of our show.
0: I also think it's gonna be big nights for Jody Fortson. Can he push yeah. to Mm -hmm. get a fourth tight end. We had talked about the running back position. We talked about the wide receiver position. I think the fullback is locked into this team. That's where I was wrong in my last uh, roster prediction. Happy to admit that. I think from a defensive line position, we already went through that linebackers. Darius Harris sticks out. I think he still has something left to show, although he's had a good preseason and training camp. Yeah, I think we know the top linebackers on this team. looks like Mike Hughes is going to win that third cornerback battle unless... Uh, DeAndre Baker maybe has the the night of his life. Mike Hughes continues to get pushed into that outside nickel cornerback position on what would be the right cornerback, and has
1: special teams upside as well. Can't forget Baker, that on the Chiefs. Baker and yeah. Fenton.
0: Baker and Fenton will be on this team, um, but it's just a matter of the starting position, right? And then it's the continued question with Thornhill, uh, which we discussed already in some of these um, back of the roster positions when it comes to the practice squad. How does Darius Fountain, Maurice French shape out? Does Zary Shepard show enough for Dave Tobe to get him on the practice squad? Talks about Powell. Uh, so there's still a few things left to learn. I, returners will be interesting and gunners. And, and I know that this is probably on your mind, John, so I'm, I'm going to
1: say it. But Harrison Butker making every kick would be nice
0: uh, Friday <laughs> night,
1: correct? <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. But I'm not. I'm really not losing sleep over it. I made a. I mean, I made a joke of it last week in my Mr. Hyde take. But uh, you know, this is what you get with a kicker. Sometimes they they have moments like that where things go badly, and they they last for a little while. This is this is the way it works. And we're still talking about a kicker who's one of the best in history as field goals. And so if he's having problems with extra points, it's just something he's got to get through. And uh, you know the, the yeah, one of those points could end up costing the Chiefs a game at some point. Maybe that's where the loss comes from this year. Oh, don't say it. <laughs> the, 23-0, think, the
0: 23-0 dream is not dead yet, John.
1: No, not yet. Not yet. But uh, I, I agree with you that uh, Jody Fortson is somebody to be watching on, uh, on Friday night. I think that the Chiefs are still trying to make up their minds about what they're going to do at tight end, uh, whether they're going to keep three or four. And I think that... Um, You know, last week they had those guys had almost identical snap counts and uh, and performed in a similar fashion. And I think it's going to be a very tough choice for the Chiefs, not only to decide whether or not Fortson makes the roster, but also how many tight ends they're going to keep and how that fits in with the fullback situation and the running back situation and so on and so forth. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts there, and I think it'll be fascinating to see uh, how the players respond to it on Friday and then what the Chiefs do before Tuesday. A lot to
0: be figured out here with this Kansas City Chiefs team. And that's a wrap for the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show. Stay tuned to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network as we will bring you another Arrowhead Drive on Wednesday, followed by AP Out of Structure with your favorite guys, Matt Stagner and Ron Kopp, taking (laughs) your questions on Twitter. We will have show NBK on the Chiefs on Friday to preview the game. Another Arrowhead Drive. If you're enjoying the network, please continue to rate and review us. We appreciate all the ratings and reviews that come in. For John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.